What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops Pod. Today, we are going to be previewing the Southeast Division out in the Eastern Conference, our second to the last division. Uh, last one should be up early tomorrow, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, but I appreciate everyone that has been tuning in, listening, supporting. Um, if you could just take a second and rate it, this pod five stars wherever you do listen to it, uh, that would mean a lot. Uh, but without further ado, guys, let's uh, let's jump into this conference. This is probably the most boring conference uh, on paper, but there's still some there's some fun teams here, some fun players here. Um, so let's get into it. Let's start with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, last year was definitely a, a down year for them. Um, I was pretty high on them coming into the year. Right. They were coming off a year where they uh, were in the Eastern Conference finals um, uh, against the or the Eastern Conference semifinals uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks um, and pushed them to seven. Trey got hurt. I know Giannis got hurt too, but, um, you know, they, they had shown everything I had wanted to see uh, in a contending team and a team that was looking to take the the young team uh, jump. And it looked like Nate McMillan had kind of unlocked them. And then they obviously regressed last year, 43 and 39. Just could never really have any sustained stretch um, before it was really too late. I think they got cooking a little bit at the end. Really good at home, but really not good enough on the road. Under 500 on the road. Um, ended up beating the Cavs in the play-in uh, to go take on, I believe, the Heat in the first round. Um, got beat by the Heat in Miami, but um, here they are. Looking to bounce back. They make the big splash trade. For DeAndre Hunter this offseason, or DeAndre Hunter, for DeJounte Murray this offseason. And, um, you know, that's a, it's a super interesting trade because DeJounte Murray isn't your typical star. Uh, I feel like a lot of stars nowadays, they're score first, right? Or they're, or they're bigs. Um, and DeJounte Murray is a rare pass first, defense first guard who's also still a star in his own way. And he, he, he had the reins really all to himself. Um, in San Antonio, he had the ball as much as he wanted. The offense ran through him 35 minutes a night, high usage role. Um, and obviously he's still going to get plenty of usage in Atlanta. It just is going to come down to, uh, how does the Trey and DeJounte partnership work? Because actually basketball wise, it, I think it could, I think defensively it's huge because DeJounte can take on a lot of the bigger guards that, you know, Trey has trouble guarding. Um, and, and Trey is just a really good passer. Both of them are really good passers. So um, neither have really played off the ball to this point in their career. DeJounte a little bit with DeMar, um, but it, it's different. It's definitely different. I think there's still, you know, plenty, uh, plenty of usage, plenty enough usage to, to go around for both. Uh, but it remains to be seen how they, like, can Nate McMillan optimize these two? Um, and, and where does that usage fall in line? In order to do it, um, it's looked honestly pretty smooth in the in the preseason. But again, Trey has been a guy to this point where it's high pick and roll with him, top of the key, and, and it it it's worked. It's definitely worked. But I, I again, you've you've even seen it. John Collins has talked about it in the past. Like it's a little bit of a frustrating brand of basketball to play offensively at times. Um, because yes, Trey is a really good passer. Yes, Trey can, you know, hit guys on on rolls and spray it out to shooters. But it's harder to get a rhythm when you don't have any sustained looks or touches uh, by yourself. 
and some guys can do it, some guys can't. We'll see. I I think Trey's usage obviously is uh, a little bit down this year, and 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 Dejounte's is as well. We'll see kind of where it settles. But the the totals at forty six and a half, and that is honestly maybe a touch too high. Um, I'm not gonna bet it. I'm not I'm not hitting the under here, but definitely not hitting the over. It's a it's a team that I for sure still like. Um, but. I think there were some sneaky losses here. I think Gallo, um, I know some people might think he's washed, but he was a helpful second unit guy for this team, a smart basketball player, really good at getting the line, uh, efficient offensively. Um, Kevin Herter has been really undersung, unsung for them um, as a secondary playmaker. He's, he's had to play a lot of minutes with Bogey and DeAndre Hunter, um, dealing with a lot of injuries over the past couple of years, and um, he's been huge for them. He's gone. Uh, we'll see if Jalen Johnson is ready to step into the rotation and, and play real minutes for them. Uh, but for me, this Hawks team is a good team. Uh, and normally, you know, I, I think they'd have upside to be a top three seed. I just think the East is so, so stacked at the top this year. Um, and there's a couple teams I'd take over them, especially given the uncertainty with, um, you know, it's just, it, it's a different roster. It's a different roster. So to me, uh, they're in like the tier below the elite contenders in this conference, wh- whether that's the Bucks, Sixers, uh, Celtics, even like I'll even take the Nets, honestly, over this Hawks team, um, obviously if healthy. So uh, it's a team that I like that I'm willing to say, hey, you know, that you, you could be pretty good, um, but it's a team I got to see a little bit more from. Um, but but the pieces are there. John Collins is a really, really good uh Stretch four. Clint Capella is a really good rim protector when he's healthy and locked in and rebounder. Onyeka Kongu has a lot, a lot of promise. Um, and hopefully he can stay healthy and it'll be interesting. Very, very interesting to see, you know, how that center position shakes out between him and Clint. Um, and uh, obviously they need, they need DeAndre Hunter uh, to stay healthy. We're, we're, all, we're hearing the Jay Crowder talks. I think he'd be huge, especially with, with Kavon being gone. Uh, but for me, I lean just under the 46 and a half. Uh, good team that I think gets back on track this year. But, like, I'll take the Cavs over them if, you, if you're, like, debating the, you know, the two new fun teams uh, that made big splash trades. I'll, I'll take the Cavs. I feel like um, I'm a little bit I'm, – I'm just, I'm just a little bit more sure with what we got there. Um, and it's not that DeJounte's not a winner. But I, I need to see him integrated into a much different offense in Atlanta than it was San Antonio and see him have success in a lower usage off the ball at times role, uh, even though I'm sure they'll be staggered plenty. All right, let's keep it rolling. All right, next up, we got the Charlotte Hornets. And uh, I don't know that, that there was a team that had a worse offseason. And it wasn't necessarily even that they made bad trades. Um, because they didn't really make any trades besides bringing in Mark Williams. Um, but just, it, it's really hard when you lose your second-best player. Miles Bridges goes down, and obviously we know why. Um, tough situation, but, you, you know, you can't expect him to be there. And, I mean, his jump last year was a was a huge reason why the Hornets were as good as they were. They finished last year 43-39 and 39 safely as the 10th seed, uh, playing to the Hawks, I believe believe and uh took an L and, and were bounced and second straight year they've lost in the plane in the first game um and honestly 
I'd be surprised if they get back to the play-in again. I think the East is just a lot, a lot better top to bottom. Um, you know, the Miami Heat are better. The Celtics are better. The Bucks are better. The Sixers are better. The Raptors are better. The Bulls are better. The Nets are better. The Hawks are better. The Cavs are better. Damn near, I think the Knicks are better. And then, and then you're looking at the Pistons' magic um, as getting, you know, better as young teams. Like, it, it just – this team's in basketball purgatory. So you lose your second-best player. Um, then LaMelo, who, you know, at this point, you know, it's him, him or Terry – um, goes down and and he'll be out for a while, and I think it just kind of sets the stage. Like new coach, right? So you you fired your coach from last year, um, and it just sets the stage to tank for Wemby, right? Because you, this is the last place you want to be. You don't want to be a perennial tenth seed that loses in the first round of the play-in every year. You get the thirteenth or you know tenth through thirteenth pick. You got to try and hit on a later lotto, um, and it's just harder to move the needle. It's you just stay stuck there. So. Um, this screams, if you, if they have smart management, I know it sucks to lose, right? As a competitor, it's asked to know that, you know, you're heading into the season with really, you know, best case scenario, uh, a play in team, but you got to understand the big picture and do what the thunder do and th- do what some of these other teams have done and, and see the big picture. And I think LaMelo being out really sets the stage because you you have two of your best players, if not your two actual best players out. Lamelo, I don't. I, I mean, Lamelo seems like a quick healer. He came back from that wrist injury really quickly, so I'm sure he'll miss less time than average for this ankle. Um, but it, you know, without those guys, it's it's just not an it's not a great roster. Terry Rozier's good. Gordon Hayward's solid. PJ Washington's solid. But then you look around, and the backup point guard is is Dennis Smith Jr. Right? Like uh, James Booknight just got arrested. Cody Martin, Theo Maladon, like Mason Plumley, like it, it's just it's not enough. It's not enough. I, I would definitely big big lean on the under thirty five and a half. It's it's fallen. I think it was thirty six, thirty seven at at a certain point, down to thirty five in a lot of spots. Um, with honest honestly, with a, a lot of heavy juice to the under. But um, I mean, what's the point, right? This team, if they get off to a Pelicans like start last year, which was bad, um. I think they just look at them, look at themselves in the mirror, and just, you know, like what what are we doing? I think we got to take some rest, some guys, maybe take some calls on Terry, um, because there's just not enough there. Even if they get the best out of this team, it's a eight, it's a nine seed, it's a ten seed, and Steve Clifford is a grinder. He's gonna do what he can to to get the most out of this group, but it's it's hard when, you know, you come in as a first. And I know he's coached this team before. I know he's been a head coach before. But you come in, and um, I I feel for him a little bit, right? They, like this is a a tough job. It's it's there's not a ton there, and and they might have enough to grind out, you know, wins against the really bad teams. But there's not many of them left, right? They open the night. Oh, they open the season with the Spurs, um, and and that might be the worst team in the league this year. But there's just nothing really there. There's nothing really there. Gordon and Terry are solid, uh, but they're they're nowhere near good enough to, to drag this team to where they need to be. I actually think PJ is in for a really big bounce back year. I think he was dealing with some off-the-court issues last year. And I, I actually think he'll mitigate a lot of what they lost in Miles Bridges. I, I, I think he steps up and helps for sure, uh, but it's just not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. There's just there's there's no way there there's eight teams much much better than them 
and there's nothing they can really do. They're down their two best players. Um, it's a team I'm probably fading to start the year. Like uh, I, I'm gonna kind of wait and see, but this is this is a team I'm not very high on at all. They had a terrible off season, um, and now you know Lamelo goes down. So uh, we'll see. But definitely a, an underlean here. I'm not gonna hit it. Uh, but there's really not much to like in, in Charlotte, and even you see a guy like James Booknight who you know struggled coming into the league to find his footing and role. He got mad he wasn't playing minutes with Borrego kind of a fresh start with Clifford, even though Clifford's not really a young player coach. Um, and he gets arrested, right? Lamelo goes down, like, should have been in line for minutes. He still might, but, like, I think it just kind of goes to show this team is not – I think they're lacking some maturity. And they, and last year they were that fun, young, hungry team. Um, but that can quickly turn into undisciplined and, um, you know, not handling conflict well. And it seems like that's where it's headed, but we'll see. We'll see if Clifford can get this team to grind it out. Um, for me, uh, definitely lower on this team. All right, next we've got the Miami Heat coming in here with a 49-and-a-half win total. Um, and basically the same roster. Like, you're not looking at anything crazy different. Um, Tyler Hero signs a big extension in the summer. Makes sense. I think you got to bring back a guy like that. With the upside to score uh, and this is a year where they came off the one seed now uh, i'm a little bit lower on the heat i think i definitely lean under here not by anything crazy but i think it's just um i think the league as a whole improved a lot and i don't think the heat really got all that better now um they can definitely improve internally i think victor takes a step uh i think tyler's gonna take a step uh, Max should be good again. Duncan can't be worse than he was last year. And Kyle Lowry is apparently in shape. Um, this is a team that, you, you know, I personally like to bet on early because this is a culture team, a well-coached team. Uh, and so they usually come out of the gates a little bit sharper um, than than a lot of teams. But there's not a ton to write home about. Like, like, we know what this team is. This is a team that executes at a high level. This is a team that grinds games out. They don't have the most offensive talent, right? Like, Jimmy Butler, for for as good as he is, his his main uh, value to a team does not honestly doesn't come from the offensive side of the ball or scoring at least. Um, he's really good at getting the line, you know, and he'll get to his spots and score in big situations. But uh, he's not a guy where you know his number one priority is to score the basketball. And Bam Adebayo is the same way. Um, and so when your stars are kind of in that mold, it it kind of just gives you this gritty, grindy feel, and it, and it's worked, right? It it's worked. It. I feel like it gives them an opportunity night in, night out. Uh, they work harder than you. They're all in great shape. Um, and and they have some snipers too. Um, but for me, like to me, it just wasn't a team that really did mu much of anything in the offseason. This is a team that's relying on internal development. And I get it, right? Bam, Tyler Hero can do that. Um, Struce, Gabe, Duncan can do that. Uh, but the, the, the East is really, really strong at the top. Really, really strong at the top. Like, I think that the Sixers got so much better. The Celtics got better. Um, the Nets got better. The uh, Cavs got better. The, uh, I know I'm missing one other team, the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks are kind of the same. Bucks are kind of like the Heat, but I, I feel like the Bucks are better than the Heat. So um, there, there's not much to write here. I think this is a team that's very safe to bet on coming into the year. You know what? You're going to get high floor. Uh, not not necessarily low ceiling, but relative to their floor, uh, a low ceiling. Um, but a team you can bet on. A team you can bet on 
but a team that I think is not going to have – like, I, th- I really feel like they caught the East in just a down year last year, right? Like, obviously, we know what struggles the Nets went through. Uh, the Sixers started the year out with without Ben Simmons and then had to integrate a injured James Harden on the fly. Uh, obviously, the Celtics took care of business, but even if the you look at the Celtics, like, they started off the year pretty poorly. They were, were a 500 team, like, the first – 40 games of the year um you know the bucks dealt with injuries middleton missing like i I just feel like they caught the east on a pretty on an off year kind of the way the warriors caught the west on an off year and they just couldn't take advantage of it and now we're sitting here with a much better overall league and a much better overall conference and uh we'll see if they can rise to it but i like even like a Cavs team or a nets team i i like both those teams more i think they have the Nets probably don't have the culture that the Heat do. They don't. They definitely don't have the culture that the Heat have created. Uh, but I think the talent trumps this team at, at the at the top end, uh, especially, too, with, with the depth that the Nets added. So I guess I'm just lower on this team than most. I, I, what they what they did just kind of left me going, meh, meh, meh. You know, like it, it didn't excite me. Um, not that you need to be excited, but, like, you know, I, I just think there's going to have to be a progression to keep up with the the way the East got better, and I don't know that they did that. Now, Kyle Lowry can be a huge swing piece. He was not good enough last year. Apparently, he was not in, in, you know, the shape required. He's apparently now in that shape. Um, but I still think it's, it's going to take a little bit um, for this Heat to replicate being that one seed. I haven't projected to be the sixth or seventh seed in the East this year. I just think it's that good. But if there's any team to, like, outperform that just because they stay solid and uh you know don't falter up and down too much and just stay steady it's it's the heat it's the heat and i could see them finishing you know with a high 50 or low 50s uh high 40s because of that solid consistency that they have from their head coach and their culture but for me uh i don't know i just i just don't think they have the top end talent and Jimmy Butler just misses so many random games. And I get it, long 82-game 80, regular season, want to be ready for the playoffs. But if we're just talking win totals, we're talking seeding, um, I'm not there on, on this team. I'm not there on this team. All right, let's keep it rolling with my favorite league pass team this year, the Orlando Magic. If you guys have followed me at all, you know I'm very, very high on this team. Now, when I say that, this is not a team that's going to, you know, mm, be a four seed like there's just not enough talent there's enough talent there's just not enough um i feel like experience to to get there with the highs and lows that come with the season uh but i'm very very high on this team for those of you that don't know i put two units on the over 26 and a half that's super rare i really only play two units and and more when like there's injury news and we're beating the line and we know we're beating the line but like it's just a straight play no injuries nothing that's like we didn't we didn't get this before something happened this is just a team I'm super, super confident in to take a step, take a leap. Um, and I've talked about it numerous times, but let's go through it. The The talent here is is really ridiculous. They've done a really good job of year by year drafting talented dudes that fit roles on this team that are high culture, high IQ, and uh, high character guys. And it, it starts with, I think, last year, Franz Wagner. Franz Wagner um, seemed like a really high-level role player uh, coming into the draft. And even, like, when you say high level, that might've been, you know, I think the consensus might've even been lower because you just see it like a white guy who at Michigan was, 
you know, kind of a spot up shooter, high IQ. And you're like, okay, cool. Um, and he just blossomed, bro. He just absolutely blossomed. He's six ten now. He can absolutely he can put the ball on the floor. He can create off the dribble. He can spot up. He makes the right pass. Good defender. Smart. Selfless. Like he was unbelievable in the in the FIBA tournament for Germany as the guy. Um, and he's just looking like an absolute steal in where they took him. You have Wendell Carter, who honestly should have got some most improved love last year, but he was out in Orlando. No one gave a shit, and I get it, right? Uh, but he's really, ever since he left Chicago, he's been upward, upward, upward. He's a great rim protector. He's a good passer for his size. He can shoot and stretch the floor. Um, then they draft Paolo Bancaro to get the number one pick this year. Everyone thinks they're taking Jabari, and we're, we, you know, they take Paolo, who is automatically going to come into this league as a bucket. Very few people come in, kind of have this size, speed, and control the way Paolo does in the mindset. Like, he's a winner. He's not just trying to get buckets. He obviously can do that, but he's a winner. He cares about winning basketball games. I see some JT in there uh, just in terms of the size and the handle and the length. Um, Obviously, that's a lofty comparison, but, I mean, you just – those two guys, Paolo and Franz, are are unreal. You get – uh, Wendell, and then you get Markel coming back, who I think is just so slept on. I made a YouTube video. I've been banging the drum on him all year. Uh, he's just so slept on, right? Because he got hurt. He's in Orlando. That's the like the biggest like get slept on combination you can have is go play in Orlando and miss a ton of time. Uh, but when he came back last year, he was absolutely uh, tremendous as a point guard. And I know it's the end of the year. You're play- facing. Um, rotation bench rotation guys and uh, some teams are checked out but like I can't deny the talent I can't deny what he did I can't deny the tape I think he really gets this team together and and gets them organized orchestrated and gets everyone into their best spots and finds people in their best spots then you have Cole Anthony Jalen Suggs uh, two guys that were taken in the first round very very talented players Cole I think Cole has started really hot last year, faded over the course of an NBA season. He's put on size. It's the next year. He like he's locked in. I think you see him in a microwave scorer role. Um, and you know, he might start and be, you know, start off hot with with Kel being out and Gary Harris being out and, and never look back. Jalen Suggs, who we thought was gonna miss some time with a knee injury, is boom, right back and, and ready to go for opening night. So uh shout out to him for healing the way that he did. But uh on top of all that, right, on top of all the talent, it's the culture to me that stands out. And, and I think that's the most important thing. And I, and it's a really hard thing to, like, sense and feel. But when you're, when you're following these beat reporters, when you're following the players, when you're watching them on the court, and you can really get a sense for, okay, do these guys like each other? Do these guys fuck with each other? Do, are, they, are they playing as a unit night in, night out? Or is it a bunch of individuals out there? It's definitely the former. Right. Jamal Mosley has done a great job. You can just tell there was a clip of him uh, kind of consoling Devin Kennedy, who was like the last cut on this team. And you just tell from the clip he just cares. He truly cares about these guys. And, and that's the biggest thing. If you have a coach who can communicate what needs to be communicated, but in a way that the players understand he cares and has their best interest and he's not coming at them sideways. It just does wonders for the group and it trickles down. Everyone can kind of buy into their role and it. It breeds like a, a family feel, and that's what this feels like. This feels like a smart ownership, or a smart GM group, front office group, a smart, emotionally intelligent, but good X's and O's coach in Jamal Mosley, 
and a lot of talent and a lot of guys that want to get better, a lot of guys that really want to win. So you combine that all together, and this is, to me, the recipe needed for a team to take a jump. And so that's that's firmly where I'm at. The win total is at 26.5, 27 in some spots, but I'm sure you can find 26.5. And, and to me, that's a smash over. Again, I don't think they're going to go win 50 games. 40 games is honestly a big stretch. But they're winning some amount of games in the in the 30s this year. I, I firmly believe that. The only thing I think that keeps them from that is injuries. But uh, Markel should be back soon. They've been pretty damn hush hush on on what's going on with him. I'm I'm hoping he's missing a week at most of the regular season and he's back to ready to go week two. That'll be huge because he gets those guys organized. He gets those guys all in their positions they need to succeed, and he he helps. He's a piece that you just get the most out of the group when he's on the court. So super high on this team and culture. Um, I think this is a playoff team in two years, but for this year they take a step and get closer, and then they build on that next year as they all their younger guys get better. Um, but my favorite league pass team, especially with, with Chet going down for the Thunder, I'll be tuned into them all year. I suggest you guys do too um, because no one really talks about them. They're the, they're the Orlando Magic. They haven't been good since Dwight was there in, in, in his prime. And uh, I think there's something special brewing there. So uh, can't recommend watching them enough. The talent is off the charts. And, and if they can really all take a step together, um, this is a team that's going to surprise some people this year for sure. All right. The last thing we're going to spend some time talking about is uh, the Washington Wizards. Um, and, you know, we talked about the Hornets being basketball purgatory. This actually, this team is the definition of basketball purgatory. Because at least the Hornets were there with young players, and you know, you, maybe you get better and, and can get over the hump. The Wizards don't. The Wizards are old. The Wizards are. They. I mean, they have some young players, but um, yeah, it's it's just probably not going to be enough. Like this is a decent team. You you look at the roster in there. They're, they're kind of deep. They have a star in Bradley Beal. They have a kind of a star in Kristaps Porzingis. Um, Kuz made a step. Took a step for Monty Morris and Will Barton are. Um, you know, NBA level rotation players, um, but it's just not going to be uh, enough to to really make real noise um, in the regular season or the postseason. Um, you know, this was a team that last year got off hot, and people were like, "Oh, wow, West Unsealed Unsealed's like done a great job," and then they finished thirty five and forty seven. And I think it's it's a similar thing this year, except the East is just better, and so they'll grind out some games. They'll win some games against some good teams. They'll beat up on some bad teams. Uh, but when it comes down to it, when they really need to lock in and you know make a push, I could see them getting an eight seed if things really click. If Kristaps stays healthy, if Bradley Beal stays healthy, all right, I can see them being an eight seed. Um, but that's like the best case scenario. Best case scenario is seven sixty. Um, it's just you know it's meh. But I, I love Chris. You guys know I'm the I'm the biggest Kristaps fan. I think he's a, a trip, uh, just a guy that's that big. He's basically a seven three guard, and he looked really good and comfortable in his time in in DC. Um, I'm sure he's only going to grow in, in that in that comfort there. And and I thought that was a good buy low by the Wizards to get off Din for a guy like Kristaps, who is definitely more talented. Um, Bradley Beal to me is still the most overrated star in this league. Um, again, he's still a star. He's an absolute bucket, uh, but the defense isn't there. I think he honestly can stand to improve as a, a scorer and passer. 
Um, I just don't think the offense is good enough to offset the defense for him to be in the superstar category. And obviously they're paying him like a superstar. He has a no trade clause like a superstar. Um, and that's kind of the guy at the top. And it just limits your your roster. It limits your roster. When Bradley Beal is the clear number one guy, it's just not going to be a good enough roster. Will Barton um, has had some good years and he's a true, true hooper. But uh, I think he's overpaid at this point And he looked like a shell of himself last year on a Denver Nuggets team that honestly really could have used him and needed him to step up. Monty Morris is a good backup point guard, but he's going to be thrust into a starting role. I love Denny. Um, I do. I, I'd be mad if I was Denny because they bring in a Will Barton to kind of just block him um, with Rui and Kuz. He's not going to be able to get the full complement of what he needs to really develop. And I think that's the biggest issue, right, is when you draft guys like Rui and Denny, you want to put them in situations in which they can succeed um, and or at least grow and get better. And I don't know that they've done that here. Johnny Davis has looked poor ever since he's come in the league. Again, that's not an indictment necessarily on just the future, but to this point, he does not look ready to contribute in a meaningful way for this team. And so, yeah, you're, you're just going to get a team that's semi-deep with NBA vets, uh, with young players who aren't really put in positions to fully succeed, and you're going to get a middle-of-the-pack team. You're going to get a middle-of-the-pack team. Now, I am really excited to see KP like, thrive. It's been a while, right? He, he had some great games in Dallas two years ago, but you know, after the, once they went full in on the Luca ISO kind of situation, he was relegated to being a spot up shooter. Um, and you know, finally look like, Hey, in, in with the wizards, he can be free to be him. So I'm excited for Kristaps. That's, that's mostly what I'm excited for this team. I'm excited to see Kristaps and hopefully he can be effective and take another jump, uh, as a really good player in this league. But other than that, it's just meh, it's meh super meh and unlike the hornets where like the hornets have a path to tanking i just the the wizards even if they tank it's like it's just they'll grind out 33 34 wins you know um not a it's a team that i'm still trying to figure out betting wise too Uh, i don't have a great read on them to start the season so i'd stay away from them i think opening night they are in indiana um as a slight road favorite. And I think that's about where I'm at on them too, where they can beat the bad teams even on the road, but you're just not sure about the upside and, and how this team comes together early, early on, um, especially with it being a little different, right? Like three guys in the starting lineup that weren't in the starting lineup at the start of last year in, in Christoph Barton and, and Monty Morris. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Not, not a team that I'm going to be spending too much time watching this year. Uh, but I'll, I'm sure it'll come up. Anyways, guys, that is going to conclude the Southeast Division. To uh, to you know reiterate, the Hawks are a good team, for sure a good team. I'm not sure how the Dejounte like. I, I what I'm most curious there is how does this Dejounte tr- trade improve their ceiling? How do Trey and Dejounte work with the Hornets? I'm looking at when does the tank. For Wemby and Scoot Henderson, come on. You don't have Lamelo. He is a quick healer, but you're missing Miles Bridges. New coach. How how does this team respond early on? To me, it doesn't look good. But it you know, it wouldn't so shock me if if Clifford grinds it out with this group. The Miami Heat left a lot to be desired. They didn't really do much in the offseason. And I, I from a GM coach perspective, I understand why you were the one seed. You want to bring that all back um, and keep riding with what you got. But at the same time, like. 
I feel like maybe some margin moves could be could be could have been made to to help the future um, and kind of mitigate how good the East and, and league in general is going to be this year. The Magic all in on this team, super super. This is my young fun team. I feel like there's three, four clear young rebuilders that uh, are looking to take steps this year: the Thunder, the Pistons, the Magic, and the Rockets. And they're all kind of in the same boat of okay, we've accumulated this young talent. Can we take us? It doesn't even have to be a deep playoff run, but can we take a step towards at least being a competitive basketball team? A team where, you know, three weeks in the season, we don't already know, all right, we're playing for ping pong balls, which is what it's been. Which one of these teams takes the young team leap? And I think the Magic are my favorite for that. And then the Wizards, a team that is basketball purgatory. Not bad enough to really get a high pick, not good enough to make any sort of noise. Uh, and they're led with mostly older players. So that it is what it is with them. I love you guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in again. Please like, subscribe wherever you listen to this, and uh, we'll be out with more stuff all NBA season long. Love you guys. Enjoy your day. Peace.